Hi, everyone, and welcome to another exciting comic-centered edition of Words, Images, and Worlds. Delighted on this episode to be talking with comics creator David Lasky. David, thank you for jumping in. Thank you for your work, and thank you for the time um, that you're taking to talk with me. Yeah, thanks for having me, Jason. My pleasure. My pleasure. Um, I'll mention a couple of titles here at the beginning. You have a nice range of work. And so Boom Boom being one of those that was kind of a, an early in your career release, but fascinating work. Carter Family, um, Two-Fisted, not Tales, but Two-Fisted. Um, Science. Down. Science. There it is. There it is. And, uh, of course, Oregon Trail and Yiddishkeit. Did I say that one, that last one correctly? I believe so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. wonderful, wonderful. Um, so really interesting work in comics, work that uh, speaks across a variety of spaces. So curious about what it was about comics that connected you and drew you in as a creator. As a, a young child, just... Uh, Visually, the drawings and colors of comics really appealed to me. I didn't maybe realize when I was younger that there are visual people who really uh, learn and, and respond to the world more visually than other people. And I, I think looking back, that was me and uh, things like, you know, comic book covers and pictures of uh, you know, Little Nemo in comics history books, uh, just, you know, I would get mesmerized by these images. And I wondered, like, why aren't these not considered the most important things in the world? Because they're so great. And comics were kind of, you know, and in some degrees still are more fun uh, thing uh, or considered um, you know, just a a medium that's not the most important thing in the world, but it's a really cool thing. And um, I think from a young age, I just had the idea uh, that if I could really do this uh, as as my career in life, that's what I would want to do most is create comics. And uh, by the time I was 18, which was in 1986, uh, Watchmen came out, Dark Knight came out, mm -hmm. Mouse came out, all in that one year, more or less, 85, 86. Also in 1986, over the summer as I was getting ready to start college, I came across Will Eisner's book, Comics and Sequential Art, which I think was brand new at that time as well. It was in the public library and he was talking about how graphic novels have so much potential, how they could be used in so many ways, and also talked about how the graphic novelist should have a wide range of knowledge and skills oh, wow. uh, because so many things needed to be depicted in graphic novels and, and depicted somewhat accurately. And um, that book kind of, you know, I already had this desire to make comics but that book was like a a call to arms of you know let's make graphic novels let's make this a real thing in the world and combined with those other titles i mentioned coming out where you know watchman and mouse just 
showed that you can do the same kinds of things in comics that you might do in in literature or film uh, it was it was just so exciting uh so i was part of a generation i think that that heard that call and and said you know let's make graphic novels but before we could do that we had to really learn our craft because there weren't schools for comics there, there was maybe you know one or two in new york city but i didn't know about those so uh -huh. it was kind of slowly uh, learning how to make comics on my own uh, and in college i studied english literature and studio art I, I painted in oils and drew in charcoal and then outside you know, graduating college had to learn you know how do i take these fine art skills and and turn them into comics making skills and i realized there was some crossover but comics had a lot that i needed to learn and uh, you know, gradually i uh, i picked up what i needed a lot of it through making friends who were also my age and starting to make comics and uh, that was kind of my graduate school was going to seattle and comparing notes with my peers in seattle uh and uh anyway that's that's in a nutshell how i started out fascinated by comics and got to where i could start to actually make them that sounds like a, a great confluence of voices getting exposed to some really interesting authors and works and then also <clears throat> um, making some of those decisions about your next steps as well yeah so you also have a nice overlap in your work um pretty pretty interesting theme of musical overlap as well so curious about that and about what the medium allows you to do in the stories that you want to tell yeah um I'd always loved music. I was never good enough at music to be a musician. I can't really sing. Um, I think if I could play guitar well, I would have just become a musician and comics would not be my thing at all. <laughs> but it's comics game that I'm not a good musician at all. Um, Absolutely. Comics game for sure. <laughs> one of my earliest jobs as a cartoonist or illustrator this is my earliest nationwide job being published was for pulse magazine which was attached to tower records it was a free music magazine and this fantastic editor there mark wiedenbaum uh, had purchased my mini comics at a comic book store in california and uh found my phone number it was you know there wasn't quite an internet in the early 90s and he somehow tracked down my phone number and uh said hey would you like to do some comics for pulse magazine and i was like oh yeah i, I love pulse magazine uh what can i do and he let me do a one panel comic strip that i think was just a feature for one issue. And then they decided, no, we don't want to do one panel comics. So in sometime in 1993, that was my first published thing. And then he kept uh, having me do 
little comics or illustrations or occasionally full page comics in the back of Pulse magazine. And he, he hired many comics artists for that magazine, some really well known and many of us just starting out and he was giving us a good break. Yeah. And uh, that probably was the main thing that got me started thinking about music and comics. And uh, by about 10 years later, I was uh, starting to think about kind of Americana and American themes that could be expressed in graphic novels that I thought, you know, hadn't hadn't really been tackled at that time around 2002, the early 2000s. Mm-hmm. Um, graphic novels were still kind of getting momentum, but not not the thing that we know them as today, where it's more widespread. And um, so I was kind of thinking, what can I do that hasn't been done in a graphic novel that maybe hasn't been done in movies or is not really known so well in the culture. And um, so I love this early country music group, the Carter family. And uh-huh. Uh-huh. Thought, you know, it would be so cool to make a comic about them. But I don't know that much about them. So I contacted my friend Frank Young, who knows comics and he knows American music and asked him, do you know about the Carter family? And he's like, oh yeah, there, there's some great stories about the Carter family. And so my next question was, would you want to make a short comic about them? <laughs> he was into the idea. So we started with a short 10 page comic that appeared in the anthology Kramer's Ergot. And um, we finished it and we thought, you know, this would make a fantastic graphic novel if we could do like 200, 300 pages of their whole story. This family from Appalachia uh, who became you know, a major country music act, one of the earliest successful country music acts. And, um, but we thought nobody, no publisher would ever publish something like that because you know, publishers were barely doing graphic novels as it was at that time. And, but we kept talking about the idea. And by 2007, that's when publishers started to say, hey, we, we want to do more graphic novels, like not just comics publishers, but book publishers, um, publishers with money. And, and distribution and access to the, the world of books. And that um, brought back this Carter family idea. And Frank and I found an agent. Uh, we through with the agent's help, we crafted a pitch and we got this uh, book. Uh, we got a, a deal to do this book with Abrams Comic Arts in 2008 and it took three three and a half years and we finally finished the book and it came out in 2012 and uh i think it was for me a way to be connected to music 
without being a musician or a singer. Mm -hmm. uh, I was trying to express what I felt in the Carter family's music, which was this kind of honesty um, and, and true, it's a true heartfelt expression of, of life, I guess, was what I was getting from their music. It didn't feel uh, slick. It felt very genuine. And I wanted mm -hmm. to make a graphic novel that hopefully felt somewhat genuine in the way that their music did. Uh, I've done other shorter things with music, and it's interesting because comics have words and pictures, but not sound. So music is the one thing you would have to get some other way than opening a graphic novel. Mm -hmm. um, and I also have always kind of felt that comics are very similar to music in that music has, you know, the lyrics, the vocals, and then the melody or the instrumental part. And comics have words and pictures. And in some way, the words and the pictures in a comic blend together in a way that the lyrics and the melody in music go together. They do something more when they're combined than they would separately. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And, uh, yeah, I guess, you know, I, though I'm not a musician, comics give me a way to feel like I'm making a kind of music in that way as well. Love it, love it. Now, now you've also spent time as a teacher, and so I'm curious about what it's like for you to teach about the medium. I started teaching about 2007, so about 16 years now. Mm -hmm. And, you know, as I was saying, I learned comics on my own outside of any kind of school setting by talking to peers um, and so i didn't really for the longest time think of comics as something that was taught but comics is something you just learn by doing it and talking to people and after i'd been making comics for a decade and a half i thought well i know a lot of stuff about making comics i could start sharing this with people who are young and starting out and maybe give them a little head start so they don't have to do the trial and error that i did to mm -hmm. learn the craft and i uh, worked as a teaching assistant with greg stump who was a friend of mine and he had been teaching comics for maybe a decade at that point and I saw from his teaching that, that there was a, a constructive way to actually teach people how to make comics. And there was a way to teach it so that not just people who were really into it, but people who were kind of unsure and uh -huh. wanted to try it uh, could easily step into it. People who even didn't feel like they could draw or were very good at drawing. Uh, Greg's teaching philosophy was, you know, let's bring you into it slowly and, you know, um, show you that it's not about drawing really well. It can be, but it's, it's mainly about expressing yourself 
using words and pictures. And the pictures, actually, the more clear and simple they are, the more effective they can be okay. at communicating. So sometimes the person who's least experienced at drawing, who draws the simplest, can actually be the best cartoonist. Uh, and I think a cartoonist like Gary Larson with The Far Side, where he's not a master artist, but he is a master of drawing simply and clearly enough to get his idea across. Okay. And that's really all that's required in making a comic. So I started to get really into teaching and into the idea that anyone with the desire to say something in comics form can do it. They don't have to be a master artist. Um, with some work, they can they can learn to express themselves in comics form. And, you know, we all are taught in school to express ourselves in writing. <laughs> and um, it's it's not too much more, I think, to add some clear, simple images and express yourselves through comics, which is a can be a very valuable way to say what you want to say. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Very true. Um, so curious as a way of a final question, and we can hit anything that I've missed that you'd like to make sure to mention, but um, being as how you have this range of material, curious about where you'd like to head next in your creative journey, and um, also where listeners can go to to keep following along with you as you're on the journey. Okay, thanks. Um, mm -hmm. I guess, uh, you know, in my whole comics career, I've been trying to, you know, from, from reading Will Eisner's book, and like, I want to try everything possible with this medium. Uh, and at first, it felt really necessary, because so much hadn't been done, like, let's do a science comic. And I did uh -huh, uh -huh. a story in that book, Two-Fisted Science, that Jim Ottaviani wrote uh -huh. and edited. Yeah, and, great uh, writer, great writer, yeah. I did music comics and biography, um, autobiography. And one of the things in the last 20 years, I've tried poetry comics where I'll take a poem I wrote or a poem somebody else wrote and add images to that writing. And it might be uh, come out being narrative, or it might, because it's poetry, might not have narrative, but express a moment in time, a feeling, or it might be abstract. And the last few years, I think because of the pandemic, I started teaching poetry comics online on Zoom, and which was a kind of a surprise gift of the pandemic that mm -hmm. uh, my teaching had always been in person in Seattle, and I would teach the subject that would get, you know, five to 10 people in a room, and then, okay, we've got enough students, we can mm -hmm. do this. And most often that was just people who wanted an introduction to comics, mm -hmm. how to do comics. And we didn't get too many classes with anything more advanced than that, maybe autobio comics. We did some classes, but poetry comics class 
I don't know that it would have happened, but teaching on Zoom, I thought, well, people from anywhere in the world could join this class. Let's try poetry mm -hmm. comics mm -hmm. and see if I can get enough people. And it worked. I got maybe 20 people joining from around the country and a few other countries. And that first class was at the end of 2020. And the thing that people loved the most was haiku comics, which oh, I thought nice. would be a nice warm-up exercise because haiku is short. But they wanted to put more time into it than just a warm-up. And they really got into haiku comics. And I thought, this summer, let's do a class just in haiku comics all summer and write one haiku a week and make a comic out of it. And the comics are short three or four panel comic strips because you've got a three line haiku. And uh, it was a well-loved class and I enjoyed teaching it maybe more than anything I had ever taught before. Uh, and I recently took uh, some of my comics uh, from the last couple of years of teaching haiku comics and made some mini comics, some oh, self-published comics. So each haiku in here is four panels and there might be uh, a silent panel as a silent beat. And then sometimes there were three panels as well. Love it. This is another one more in strip form, sometimes in color, sometimes not, sometimes abstract, and sometimes more a slice of life narrative. Um, that's what I'm most into at the moment, and I'm going to have a new class this fall in haiku comics through Pushpull of Seattle. Um, I'm doing abstract comics, uh, still experimenting uh, in all different things and hoping to have a book collection of either poetry comics or just poetry plus experimental comics collected in a single book. I love doing one-pagers and short comics. They're really gratifying. I think I have a short attention span. I find long form graphic novels really hard to do. They're just hard to do to begin with. They're, they're like the marathon of making comics, mm -hmm. 100 or 200 page graphic novel. And just staying with that one idea for a few years is hard for me. Um, so the idea of a collection of one page comics is appealing to me because I can try a lot of different things tell a lot of different stories with these really short comics. But I started a, a long form graphic novel in 2017, which is set in Seattle in about 1910. Mm -hmm. um, and I, I've, you know, Oregon Trail Carter family, I love historical graphic novels. Mm -hmm. the way comics can put the reader viscerally in the time and place in a way that I think movies and prose novels can't quite do. Uh, and it that has something to do with uh, Scott McCloud's panel transitions that the reader has to fill in 
what's happening between the panels using their imagination. And I think that when you read a historical graphic novel, that filling in those blanks puts you in that world in a way that if you're watching a movie, it's great, but it's all happening in front of you. You're not putting your imagination in that world in quite the same way. Yeah. And that's for me, that's like, I think Scott McCloud found the magic thing about comics that mm -hmm. makes it so powerful, even though we have this amazing technology, which is wonderful. A simple printed comic book still has that power to engage our minds in that way. So coming back to, I'm working on a historical graphic novel. It's set in Seattle. It's on hold. Um, the writer I was working with, uh, some things happened. They couldn't continue working on the book. So I've been looking for a new writer. I might have one, um, but I don't want to go back into that project till I feel like I have a writer who's a good fit and we know what we're going to do with it. Uh -huh. Uh -huh. Um, so I hope, I hope that book will get finished one day. Uh, I'm about uh, 60 pages into it with the art and, uh, you know, it wouldn't be the end of the world if, if it never got finished, but I would really like to see it get finished. Yeah, yeah, that would be great to see. Um, maybe in a few years, readers can look forward to that one. We'll, we'll see. Yeah. Definitely in the near future, more poetry comics and more short experimental comics from me. I love that linking of poetry and comics. And um, so I also mentioned places where people can go to follow the journey. Uh, I have an Instagram page, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Uh, which I don't do a lot on Instagram, but every month or so I put something on there. I have a Patreon page where uh, for a, a dollar a month or more, I, I post things there a few times a month, and uh, that's where you'll really see everything I'm doing. And you know, for I don't know if people really want to see as much as I'm putting on <laughs> Patreon, but uh, for anyone who's really interested, that's the place to see everything. And Facebook, I put things on Facebook as well. There's a uh, Comics by David Lasky Facebook page. Um, and you can, uh, I have an Etsy page where you can buy my printed comic books. These haiku comics will show up there eventually, probably this fall. And All right. Thank you for asking. Yeah, my yeah. pleasure. My pleasure. Thank you for joining. And uh, David, thank you for a wonderful conversation. And looking forward to the things that are to come. Thank you so much, Jason.